This podcast is brought to you by Dingle Mount Church. It will open up God's Word to you, inspire you to love God, and grow in the knowledge of Him, and challenge you to live a victorious Christian life. Be blessed as you listen. Uh, Once again, uh, I would say welcome uh, to church for those uh, who are here this morning. Like John said, it wasn't easy finding our way down to church. I had to walk, you know, with the kids, and um, I think Richard came along on the road (laughs) to rescue me with the two of them uh, coming down to church. But um, we thank God that we are here this morning. Uh, The scripture reading for this morning will be taken from the book of Mark's Gospel, chapter 14. Uh, Mark's Gospel, chapter 14. And um, I'll be reading just uh, one or two verses of Scripture. Mark's Gospel, chapter 14. And the Scripture I want to uh, share with us this morning briefly is just um, a message on doing our best, doing our best. And we have the story from verses 3 of the anointing at Bethany, where Jesus was anointed, and it was done by a lady. And the interesting thing about this story is that Jesus commended this woman, uh, her actions, and I'm sure it has a lot to to teach us or say to us on doing our best when we can. And in verse 3 it says, And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, As he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil of spikenard. And she broke the flask and poured it on his head. But there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, Why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. Note that. But Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, and whenever you wish, you may do them good. But me you do not have always. She has done what she could. And that's the verse we're looking at this morning. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the whole world, what this woman did will also be spoken of as a memorial to her. And Lord, we just ask that you bless these verses of scripture to our hearts. And as we seek to draw closer to you in our devotion, in our fellowship with others, Lord, we pray that you give us not just that grace to do the best that we can for you, but show us how. We can do this in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Um, These verses of scripture uh, that we've read this morning, uh, they are very familiar to most of us. Uh, this is uh, those verses of scripture we normally read when you're getting closer to Good Friday, you know, when Jesus Christ went to the cross, or the plot to kill Jesus. And so most of the events surrounding from chapter 14 onwards is like leading us to the cross. And, but I don't think uh, the verses of scripture will be out of place for us to just have a little look at it this morning. Because the stories we have in the scripture, whether it's Christmas, 
Easter or Good Friday or even the seasons that the church is not celebrating anything linked with the birth or resurrection of Jesus Christ, we can still learn something from the words of scripture. And what we have here is a story of a woman whom most people will normally not identify with or even relate to. But the Bible tells us that this woman did something for Jesus Christ, that even Jesus Christ took note of what this woman had done. And the Pharisees and those and the scribes and those who were watching as well took note. But then you have two different reactions to this woman's actions. Jesus Christ commended what she had done and said she had done a good work. But then the others criticized her and said that couldn't this have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor? And the Bible says, and they criticized her. When you look at verse 8, what Jesus Christ said, she has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my burial. Now, these words were spoken in defense of Mary as she did what she did. And we know that this happened in the house of Simon of Bethany. And which is very, very significant for us because leading up to this time, we know the criticisms that Jesus Christ have had from the scribes and the Pharisees. Every single word spoken by Jesus was carefully analyzed. They listened to what he said, that we are looking for loopholes in the ministry of Jesus, instead of them to give their hearts wholeheartedly, instead of them to do what they can to assist in establishing the kingdom of God here on earth, that we are looking for loopholes. But then you have this woman, whose God, I would call it like a different spirit. She didn't come to criticize the things that Jesus Christ was about. She didn't come to the house to listen and walk away without having anything change in her heart or her devotion. But this woman came, encountered Jesus, and did something that even today the church still not only takes note of it, but commends and preaches on it. And that's why I'm asking us this morning, are we doing our best? I want you to look at this action by this woman, by Mary, because this for me, I see it as an act of devotion and it says so many things to us because when you look at what she did she wasn't following any commands of scripture and that's what makes it quite interesting for us she wasn't following any custom or example because sometimes you know when we do things either we've seen someone do it and we think well this is something good to do so we replicate that same action she wasn't following any command there wasn't any command in scripture to come to Jesus pour all that ointment upon him or even to respect him the way this woman had done. No one has set any examples for her to follow. We know that when we read scripture, we see examples, examples of faith, examples of good conduct, examples of holiness, and the things that we are called to do. But this woman had no example like that to follow. But she did something that Jesus Christ commented on. And not only that, we also see that we see it as a very generous act. I've been looking at this scripture and some commentators will actually tell you that this ointment was worth 300 days of labor. Imagine someone working for 300 days and after 300 days, almost close to a whole year, and then you take all the money that you've saved, get an expensive ointment and then come to Jesus and then pour that ointment on Jesus. And that tells us something about this woman's not just acts of devotion or sacrifice, but the kind of spirit that she had coming to to Jesus. She didn't do it in secret. She did it right there 
in the open. And that's why I think that sometimes we read these scriptures and we overlook it. But when you put it in context, in terms of sacrifice, in terms of the criticism that this woman would have faced or she faced as we read in scripture, this woman deserves us listening to what the scripture have got to say to us. And that's why when you look at verse 8, Jesus Christ said that phrase or made that sentence there that he said, she has done what she could. And in other words, this woman has done her best. There's nothing more she could have done. And the question for us as we've come here this morning, like I'm asking us, is what exactly are we doing in terms of not just our devotion, spiritual devotion as we worship God and praise Him, but are we doing our best? Can we say that our devotion, our sacrifice, everything we are doing in the house of God, we can truly say that we are doing our best. This woman could have kept held back. This woman could have come to Jesus and looked around her and said, well, no one else is doing it. There is no example to follow. And she could have kept back. And sometimes I wonder what hinders us as Christians from doing our best. Just as Jesus Christ says, she has done what she could. What hinders us when we come to church, when we come into the house of God, and when we give our life to Christ, we tend to hold back. And the first thing that I notice is that word we have there in the scripture, criticism. Look at verse 5. For the Bible says, for it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. That means that not everyone will commend or even appreciate the level of devotion or sacrifice sometimes that you put into your service to God. And, 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 and you see that word criticism or criticize, or they, and they criticize her sharply. We're not just talking about a simple criticism here. We're talking about something that cuts right to the heart. What are you doing? Who told you to do it? And remember we are talking about a place where men more, more or less like rude. And here was a woman coming in the midst of them. So what are you saying to us? Are you telling us that you are the only one who knows how to honor this man Jesus Christ? And sometimes in our service to God, we go through criticisms. And that's one of the things that sometimes hold people back from giving the best that they can give to God. Criticism. And sometimes what we say is, well, I can do so little, so I'll do nothing. Because of the things that we're hearing, because of the things that we see even around us. Or maybe we haven't come to a point where we feel that people appreciate the things that we are doing. For God, But I believe that even in the face of criticism, we can still do our best for God. If you look at the life of Paul the Apostle, Paul was a man, remember how God turned his life around, and he went about preaching and doing the work that God has called him to do. He was a man who came up against not just opposition, but people criticized him a lot. Criticized the word he spoke, they even criticized his appearance. Because there's a place in scripture where the Bible says that there was nothing, when you look at him, quite a diminutive figure. So there's nothing about Paul really that can commend him to the hearts of those that he was speaking to, to the Jews, to the Gentiles. But then Paul kept going on. He was giving God his best. He was making those sacrifices in shipwreck, the times of tears, the times. When he was in prison, he kept writing and ministering to the church. And sometimes what we say is, well, others are doing nothing. So, well, I also will do nothing. But we are not called to measure ourselves by others. 
Just as this woman, when she walked into that place, she could have easily said, well, others are not doing anything. Just like you can go into a church today, or other churches, and you may see hundreds of believers, those who have called themselves, or who call themselves Christians, who may not really be doing anything in terms of giving their best to God, or in terms of serving God with the whole of their heart, or in terms of saying, I am fully devoted, my life is sold out to Jesus. And that can affect and dampen your spirit, but not with this woman. The scribes weren't ready to do it. The Pharisees weren't ready to do it. But this woman looked at Jesus. She knew what Jesus Christ had done. In the same way, when you know what Jesus has done for you, how he's touched your heart, how he's changed, how he's transformed, how he's poured out his abundant grace upon you, you cannot but do something for me, irrespective of what people are saying. So criticism is something that can hinder Apart from criticism, what about excuses? Excuses, you know, is something that we are familiar with. If you go to the pages of the Bible, you start from Genesis all through, even to the call, when Jesus Christ called all his disciples, and you see examples of that. People who were making excuses why they cannot serve God, or why they cannot do what God is calling them to do. Remember Moses in the Bible, he had excuses. I cannot speak. But God had to make up for that. Remember Gideon. What were his excuses? The least in my father's house. Remember Jeremiah. What was Jeremiah's excuse? Jeremiah said, I am but a youth. So there will always be reasons, excuses that as Christians we can give. Either not to make ourselves available to God. Use our talents in the house of God. Or even make those sacrificial givings that God sometimes calls us to do. Just like this morning. You could have said to yourself, you know what, there's a marathon today. I'll just stay home, have a little line, and then hopefully, you know, God understands. Next Sunday we can come. Yes, there may be nothing wrong with that, but in your heart you know where you ought to be. And that's why some of us had to walk. Some had to go all the way right from Egbert Road and came down here, even when they couldn't find a way to come to church. And that's what, part of what we are talking about. There will always be excuses not to do the little things that God has called us to do. Even those who run in a marathon, there will always be excuses for some not to take part. For those, as the Bible calls us, like we are like in a race. And I like that imagery, you know, just, I was looking at those men and women running on the roads. And I can, and I can see that spiritual image that the Bible paints about we being in a race. You can see them running. Some of them, you could see the struggle and the sweat they were putting in just to make sure that they are part of that race and get to where they were going. And the same way, that's what God has called us to do. And some of them weren't making any excuses. Some of them weren't saying to themselves, well, I, I think I'm a bit tired today. I can't do this. That's in the natural. They were putting, doing their best to take part in something that has no spiritual significance. Because at the end of time, God will not put medals on anyone's neck because they've run a marathon. But God will reward you for the things that you have done in his name. God will reward you for the things that you have done for the kingdom of God. For the sacrifice that you've made. For the times when you prayed. For the devotion that even no one can see that you did in secret. And that is a unique thing about knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So the question is, what can you do for Christ. You might say that you love Jesus Christ, but the reality is that love is active. Love is not something that is dormant. Well, I love him and I'll do nothing for him. I love him 
I'm not talking about him. I love him. I don't want to be with God's people. I love him. But I can give myself reasons, excuses, or listen to criticism that stops me from being my best for God. What can you do for Christ? And I believe there's a lot we can do for him. This woman did what she could do. If there is more, she could have done it. And that's what Jesus Christ was getting at. The amount, the level of devotion and sacrifice. There's something we can do in prayer, for instance. There is something we can do when we look at the examples of men in Scripture, those who served God in their generations. There's something we can do. When Jesus Christ called Andrew, Andrew could have said to himself, well, there's nothing I can do. I've just been called by Jesus. I've left my, what, my profession and that's it. But no, he knew there was something he could do. And the Bible says that he brought Peter to Jesus Christ. That was a man who understood that when Jesus Christ calls you, he's not just calling you. Yes, you're saved and that's it all by yourself. He knew there's something I can do for my master Jesus. And he brought Peter. And you see that again. Philip came to Jesus. And the Bible says that he also brought Nathaniel to Jesus Christ. And you see, all through scripture, men, those who have walked with Jesus, those who have walked with God, or those who have encountered the saving grace of God, they never kept it to themselves. For them, it was about a life that is just not lived in isolation, or a life that is lived not knowing what God has called that life to do, but is a life that understands that I can do something for him. I always ask myself that question, is there something else or something more that Jesus is demanding of me? Because the more we stop asking that question, it's easy to settle in your comfort zone. You may even be making much sacrifices and you say, well, I've, I've made so much sacrifice in my relationship to God. But do you know that with God, there's never a limit to the sacrifice that we can make. Sometimes God may be calling us to higher sacrifices with Him. Sometimes He may be saying, yes, I know you are praying. But you can do more than what you're doing now. Sometimes you can say, yes, I know that you come to church, but you can do more than that. Sometimes you can say, yes, I know you're using your gifts in the kingdom, but you can do much more than that. The reality is that if you do not do what you can do, it will not be done. If this woman came in and didn't do what she needed to do, it would not have been done. Because the scribes and the Pharisees were not willing to do it. If Andrew didn't bring Peter, if Philip didn't bring Nathaniel, they could have said, well, someone else would do it. But then these men, like I said, did what they could do. And those things had to be done. And I think that on a Sunday like this, that we see something around us, and some of us may see it as something natural, you know, people, like I said, in a race, is there to teach us something. There's a lesson that we can learn from it. Because the Bible says that everyone who is involved in a race, they run so that they can win a prize. And the Bible calls those prizes a perishable, corruptible one. But we, what we are fighting for, what we are in race we're involved in, is to receive an incorruptible, something that lasts forever, something that lasts for time and eternity. And that tells me that the time that God gives me I have to use it to the best of my ability. Remember Paul writing to Timothy. Paul said to Timothy, he says, bodily exercise profits little, but godliness is profitable. 
And he tells you, yes, some of the, well, the things that were involved in, in the natural, like the race, or maybe you go to a gym to walk out to keep fit and all of that. He says it profits. There's a little profit in it. But not compared. It can never be compared to the spiritual profit, to the advantage, to the things that you gain. As the Bible said, it's from living the life, the life that God is calling us to live. And I think that now is God's time. Every single month we come to Him. We look inwards. We analyze our lives. We ask ourselves. If every Christian, we're always asking that question. What is God demanding of me? Is there something more I can give to His house? Is there something more that I can give to my community? Is there something more I can give to my family? As God has enabled me. Maybe we may be stepping out of our little comfort zones. And saying, yes Lord, here I am. Use me. Here I am, save me. Send me. Like the Bible talks about Isaiah. Isaiah was another man. Anointed. God was calling him to use him for something great. But there he was. Full of the reasons and excuses. But then the Bible says a cherubim flew, took a coal and touched his lips. And there we have a man whose lips were not just cleansed. But he began to proclaim the words that God has called him to say or to speak. Yesterday for us is past. So no matter the accomplishments, no matter the things that we have done, let's see yesterday has gone. And we have tomorrow before us. And every day comes with new possibilities. Every day comes with new opportunities. Every day we have before us comes with a life that we can touch, either in a positive way or in a negative way. And all that God is saying to us is that we can do something Now, look at that verse of scripture again in verse 9 and see what Jesus Christ said. Jesus says, Assuredly I say to you, and I like the way Jesus Christ put it. He says, Wherever this gospel is preached throughout the whole world, he says, What this woman did will also be spoken of as a memorial to her. You can see the honor. That she received as a result of her devotion. That wherever this gospel, and we know it, that anywhere this gospel is preached, this single act of devotion, this single act that says, Lord, I will give you, nothing is too much for me to give. Sometimes that is the test that God gives us. And that is the test to know if we are willing to give him all, or there are still things that we can hold back. You know, there is that hymn. That says, all to Jesus Christ I surrender. All to him I give my all. And then in some churches they normally sing that song when people are giving their hearts to the Lord. And, and which is a reminder for them, all to Jesus I surrender. But the reality or the question is, have they truly surrendered all to Jesus? So a man can stand in front of the altar, lift up his hands or her hands and spread it wide and say, all to Jesus I surrender. And even shed tears. But still, there is a part of their lives they are still keeping to themselves. There's a part of their lives that isn't truly dead on the altar. They've not really laid it and said, Jesus Christ, you can truly have it all. There's no part of us that God is saying, you can keep, while the rest, you give it to me. You can keep 20 or 30%, but I can have 60, or just I can have 40 or 70. Jesus Christ demands 100%. To say that, Lord, if you want it, if that's what you are calling me to, if you want me to give more of my time, more of my resources, more of my, my service to you, Lord, I am willing to do that. 
No wonder why Abraham in the Bible, we talk about Abraham a lot, but it, it, it has a lot to teach us. The father of faith, who was willing, God spoke to him, the Bible says that he listened, and he stood and went, not even knowing where he was going. We rejoice in that verse of scripture. But somewhere down the line, we see that again. A man who knew what God is calling him to, God made a demand upon him. He could have come up with excuses. Lord, you gave me a promise that through my seed, all the nations of the world will be blessed. But here you are, demanding that same seed from me, asking me to take him and offer him as a sacrifice. But we know that God wasn't intentionally saying he was going to kill his son. But sometimes it was a test of whether Abraham had come to a point where God meant everything to him. Where he was willing to say, Lord, if you want it, I'll give it to you. And the Bible says he took him and began to walk. I don't know how long he walked for. I don't know what was going on in his mind as he was walking down that journey. But the Bible tells us, if you look at Hebrews, the Bible says in Hebrews that he knew, and this is where his faith stands, that even if that child were to die, he believed that God could raise him up again. In other words, he'd come to a point where he knew that even if he gives everything to God, that nothing you give to God is wasted. You know, that's how some people view God, even service in church. You're wasting your time. Are you telling me you're going to church and you're going to spend one hour serving God or singing or doing whatever or cleaning the church or preaching or talking to people about Jesus? Why? What a waste of time. But not with Abraham. He knew that whatever you give to God, that God's blessing will be upon that. And that's where his faith stood. And the Bible says when he got to the mountain, he laid his son out, took a knife and he was about to. The Bible says that voice came. And after that, God looked at Abraham and said, Now I know. Now I know. This is a man who is not willing to withhold anything. This was a man who listens to God. This is a man who is conscious of his position in God and how God wants to use him to bless his generation. The question for us this morning as we leave, for some of us who may be walking home or driving home, is what will I give to God? What is he demanding? Maybe more of me. Can Jesus look at me this morning and say, truly, you have done your best and there's nothing more maybe that you can do. As we reflect on those words, my prayer is that we will come in our service to him where nothing else matters but not just the service of our God but the glory of his name. Shall we bow our hearts? As we just thank him and ask him to bless not just our devotion, our service to him. But let us come to a point where we say to him, Lord, nothing will come in between my relationship with you. Nothing. We may have made that decision many years ago, but there is always something challenging your devotion, challenging the decisions that you've made. And that's why it's a walk. We have to keep on walking. We have to keep on going. We have to keep exercising our faith. We have to come to a point when we say to Jesus, It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. 
Nothing I hold back from you. Where you send me, I will go. If you say, make yourself available, I will. If you say, speak, I will speak in your name. The interesting thing is we are not in a hundred meter dash. In the same way as we said, it's a marathon. We are running a a race, as the scripture tells us. And we are keeping our eyes on that crown. And this morning we just want to ask for strength. Strength to go through. Strength to run till the very end. Strength from the Spirit of God. To always look inside to see areas where God may be calling us and saying this area needs to be put right. And if there's anything standing in between our devotion and his service, we say, Lord, take it away from us today. Free us so that we can serve you, Lord, with all of our hearts and minds. So, Lord, we just thank you this morning for the little words that you've spoken into our hearts. Thank you for this example of devotion, of sacrifice. And, Lord, all we pray today is that it will be said of us that we have done our best. In the same way, you used 12 men to change the whole course of human history. Lord, we pray that you use us, not just to proclaim your saving grace to a world that is perishing, but use us as examples of true devotion, examples of sacrifice, examples of a praying life, as we seek to please you in all that we do. This we pray through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If you have enjoyed listening to this podcast, why not join us in worship at the Dingle Mount Church or log on to our website at www.dinglemount.org for more information. Thank you for listening.